Hello, Richard Lane here with the Lancet podcast for the issue of April the 7th to the 13th. It remains an enigma that newborn screening for cystic fibrosis has been so controversial when there is so much evidence in favour. The quote from this week's cover, taken from the comment by Australian authors evaluating a research article about the cost-effectiveness of newborn screening for cystic fibrosis, our main feature in this week's podcast. Before that, some other highlights to mention. Encouraging news in the HIV world with the publication of the POWER 1 and 2 results. This assesses the efficacy of a new protease inhibitor, darunavir, when used in combination with an existing antiretroviral, rutonavir. The results were strong. The combination substantially reduced HIV viral load and boosted CD4 counts. The author of a comment in this week's issue, linked to the POWER study, says... All of us treating HIV-infected individuals in clinical practice will probably rejoice in the availability of darunavir since it seems to be a safe, well-tolerated and truly effective agent against multidrug-resistant HIV. HIV is also the theme of this week's lead editorial, commenting on the report just out about PEPFAR, the US President's emergency plan for AIDS relief. This is also picked up in our World Report section this week. A research article highlights the effectiveness of a pneumococcal vaccination program introduced in the United States a few years ago. And this week's seminar tells you everything you needed to know about an old enemy and a modern-day threat, plague. But our feature this week concerns the cost-effectiveness of cystic fibrosis screening. Should screening be done at birth, rather than waiting to treat individuals when they present with symptoms? And which one of those two is more cost-effective? Earlier, I spoke to one of the authors of this study, Dr. Erica Sims, from the University of East Anglia in the UK. Cystic fibrosis is an inherited disease. It affects approximately 8,000 patients in the UK. One in 25 of the UK population actually carries a faulty gene for CF but doesn't actually present with the disease. Currently, we anticipate that one in 2,500 babies born in the UK will have CF and they will be primarily of Caucasian origin. Cystic fibrosis is characterised by thickened secretions or mucus in the lungs, the pancreas and the intestine, liver, kidney and in males, the testes. This can result in progressive lung disease, recurrent chest infections. In the pancreas, this leads to patients being at risk of malnutrition and not growing properly. In terms of reproduction and infertility, less than 2% of males are fertile and can conceive naturally. And how are individuals with cystic fibrosis treated, presumably heavy use of antibiotics? In terms of lung disease, heavy use of antibiotics, replacement enzymes are now available to replace the digestive enzymes that are produced by the pancreas. But the majority of patients actually die as a result of the progressive lung disease. And for people who unfortunately suffer from cystic fibrosis, what's their life expectancy? Current life expectancy is in the early 30s, but for patients treated or diagnosed as babies since the early 90s, the life expectancy has increased to over 40 years. This is because of better nutritional treatments being available. Right, and this is obviously relevant to the current study. As you say, early diagnosis is really important, and presumably the juxtaposition, if you like, is whether you can screen babies soon after they're born to identify those with CF or whether you wait until they actually present as infants with symptoms? 
That's right. If you wait until they present with symptoms, by that time a lot of damage has already been done, particularly in terms of lung disease. They may have had recurrent chest infections that has left them with a degree of lung damage. Alternatively, they may be left with reduced growth because of poor nutrition prior to diagnosis. The clinically diagnosed patients, we know because they are presenting with more symptoms, are requiring more treatment. If patients are diagnosed early, you're able to proactively treat them, so treat them at the earliest signs of infection. If screening was done with newborn infants, how would you physically diagnose it at that early stage? It's done through a what's called a blood spot test. All babies at about five to six days of age have a heel prick test. This is where a small amount of blood, literally only a few drops, are collected onto a card, usually by midwives. This is then sent off to laboratories where it's tested. For CF, it's actually a two-step test. Firstly, looking at a biochemical agent that is usually very highly elevated in CF, in the majority of patients with CF. But that alone doesn't specifically tell you whether these patients have CF or not. The second step to it is that only those patients with a very high level of this biochemical agent, the blood is then screened for the DNA mutations. And the result of that will be that we're able to pick up about 94% of CF patients within two months of age. That clearly is the rationale for newborn screening. But this study is looking at cost effectiveness, isn't it? Do you want to just briefly run through the methodology and, and the key findings? Using data that's available on the UK cystic fibrosis database, we are able to look at treatments that patients are receiving, long-term treatments. So these are treatments that patients are receiving for at least three months and usually ongoing for many years. We determined the cost of these treatments and then compared the average cost of the treatments for the newborn screened patients and those patients that were diagnosed on the basis of symptoms. And these were patient groups of between one and nine years of age. What we found was that the clinically diagnosed patients, those patients presenting with symptoms, received substantially higher or more costly treatment than those that were diagnosed on the basis of screening. So in terms of the cost comparisons, what did you find? We found that the average annual cost of treatment, of long-term treatment for patients diagnosed by newborn screening was over £7,000 as compared to over £12,000 for a patient diagnosed on the basis of symptoms. So fairly unequivocal results. This really provides a cost-effectiveness model suggesting that worldwide newborn CF screening programs are justified? Yes, definitely. Newborn screening programs are currently in place in terms of the UK, first of all, in place in Wales, Northern Ireland and relatively recently in Scotland. There is a program that is developing in England and currently there's about 62% of England that has coverage by a newborn screening programme. But elsewhere, outside of the UK, France is developing a programme as is Australia and currently 23 of the US states have newborn screening programmes up and running. And presumably in order to introduce a new aspect of newborn screening, given there are so many other diseases, conditions that could be screened 
at birth, you have to fit into an existing newborn overall screening programme. Is that right? That's the easiest way of doing it. There are currently newborn screening programmes for phenyl ketonuria and congenital hypothyroidism in most countries with developed healthcare systems. Well, the results, as you say, are very clear. What needs to happen now in terms of UK policy, just for a moment, to to really get this taken up across the board. Is this enough evidence now? We feel that this is enough evidence now. In terms of the UK, we feel that there is sufficient clinical and treatment and now economic evidence that the savings in treatment that could be found with a newborn screening programme would actually offset the cost of running the laboratory costs, which form approximately two-thirds of the cost of running a newborn screening programme. So will you or your colleagues be lobbying the Department of Health now about this? We've been lobbying for many years for it and the result of which is the current programme that is being rolled out. Dr Sims, thank you very much for talking to The Lancet. Thank you. Dr Erica Sims concluding this week's podcast. Many thanks for listening. See you next week.